Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the show, Chris Graham, Rod Mullins. It's Monday. We um, almost always talk on Mondays about NASCAR, and we've got a lot to get into here. The uh, playoff uh, cutoff is coming up pretty soon. Every week we get a little bit closer. Um, the story uh, from our uh, race in Indy, the Brickyard 200, the road course race uh, there at Indy, uh, Michael McDowell wins his way into the playoff field and man, Chase Elliott was so close, but he's yep. still uh, on the outside looking in right now. A lot of guys on the outside looking in who were in the, uh, in the running yesterday, Rod, uh, man, Michael McDowell comes out with the win. What a, what a huge win for him and his team. He dominates. I mean, he just literally dominated yesterday is what he did. And, um, I think a lot of people knew coming into this that, uh, Michael McDowell, had the races or had the experience, so to speak, of uh, being able to compete in the in the sport. But, you know, yesterday was one of those that just stood out more than anything else in his road course experience. You know, at one time he wanted to be an open wheel driver and it just wasn't in the cards. And some people might say, well, he doesn't need to be in NASCAR. Well, guess what? He's in NASCAR and he's won two big races. He's won the Daytona 500 and now he's won the racing Mecca, as he calls it, the Indianapolis at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Now, given it's not the oval, it's not the same thing as what you find at Daytona, but it's the road course. And the road course is just as challenging, I think, as the Brickyard race in itself, which, by the way, we'll talk about that here a little bit later on. But um, still, he just dominated from, I mean, you couldn't say anything else. And then he had a heated battle for the win. You had Chase Elliott, Daniel Suarez, who were finishing second and third. Uh, I mean, he led a race high 54 laps in one stage one. They didn't stop in between. It was one of those where he just, um, they kept the race going, which I liked it. I, I really liked that. I, I would love to see them bring it back now, maybe to the ovals and just say, okay, stage one, you've got a points winner and stuff. But uh, I'm sure that some of the teams will probably say, no, let's let's have that break and stuff to where we can tend to the car. We can do some things and and take care of it. Uh, so McDowell won the first stage. Denny Hamlin won the second. Really, at that point, Denny Hamlin was not much of a, a factor in this race. But the one I think everybody was talking about, they were talking about one, uh, the Japanese driver, Kobayashi, who came into this, he kind of. Stayed clean, but he stayed in the back. I don't know if he was just a little bit overwhelmed by this or he just did not have the good car. But Shane Van Gisbergen, that's the one I'm trying to pronounce over and over. It changes like every week. But Shane Van Gisbergen, um, he completed the top 10. And this was his first road course race at Indianapolis. He raced on uh, Friday night, I think, in the uh, truck series at uh, over at Indianapolis Raceway Park. And he did quite well, but the talk was, well, it brought him back to earth, or at least we see a human par uh, part of Shane Van Gisenbergen uh, that uh, some of these people have said all, all along is going to happen to him. And he was in contention. He was up in, you know, in the top 10, top 15, top 20, most of the day. Uh, but he started to get in hot toward the end of the race. And I think that's what put him up into the top 10. But I'm telling you, you go from this race now moving to Watkins Glen next week in New York, um, you know, it's do or die for some of these teams right now. And people have reason to be worried. And uh, I've, I've said this, I said this all along, Kevin Harvick hasn't won a race. 
Kevin Harvick is dropping in the points. You know, when he, even though he finishes, he still is not up there enough with all the other guys that are making progress or have made previous race progress. And then you have Michael McDowell that comes in. I think he plugs in at like 13th, 12th or 13th right now. And then you have Kevin Harvick. And then you have some others, Bubba Wallace right now on the bubble, so to speak. And then you've got Chase Elliott. Then you have also um, uh, Daniel Suarez on the bubble. I mean, anything can happen in these next two races. And, you know, I know give the edge to him uh, in one sense. You think, well, he's won at at Watkins Glen before uh, Chase Elliott has. But you know what? The the surprising stat that came up, the, the road courses, he has not won on a road course since this changeover to the next generation car. That's what shocked me. I was really surprised with that. I thought, oh, there's got to be something. But no, since he made this change over to the next generation car, nope, he's not won a road race since. And so you're kind of asking the question, do they still have what they need to maybe get them across the finish line and get that final uh, one or two spots, get in that uh, final two spots before the playoffs? Yeah, I'm looking at the standings now. McDowell uh, in the playoff standings will be 12th. So he jumped way up there, obviously. Yeah. Um, so the guys who ha- don't have a win, who are in the, you know, in that area of the, of the cut line, mm-hmm. Kevin Harvick right now in 13th, 677 points, just no wins. Right. Greg Keselowski, 675 points. That's the no wins. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, they got a lot of points, just haven't gotten any wins. And then Bubba Wallace is right on the line right now. He is 16th mm-hmm. as of what when we're speaking at 560. Uh, Daniel Suarez is 17th, 532. Ty Gibbs is uh, 18th at 511. Chase Elliott's moved up. Uh, he and Alex Bowman are both in 19th at 480. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, any of those guys gets a win. Obviously, they punch their ticket. And if someone like a Michael McDowell sneaks in behind them, uh, you know, yeah, they're on the – you know, some of those guys are going to be on the outside looking in. So, you know, those are some big names to be left uh, – uh, still fighting for their their playoff lives here with a couple races to go. Oh yeah, and I, and I've said this. I said this. I think uh, last season. I've even said it. I think in the previous seasons we've been on the podcast. All it takes is for one guy out of nowhere, and especially when they did this next generation changeover, and you started seeing these less competitive teams or what you would think uh, being in contention for wins and being able to pull off a win and then go into the playoffs. There's a lot of people left scratching their heads saying, how is this possible? Well, folks, it's just the way that the point system is set up. If you can go, if you can run really effective, like what McDowell did yesterday, and then uh, he wins a stage, he goes and he wins the race. Those are points. Those are going to put you in the lead where you need to be at. Denny Hamlin needed, of course, he's kind of, you know, set where he's at, but still, he needs those points to kind of solidify him in his position. That's the same thing I'm trying to get across about Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick and Brad Keselowski. Keselowski's had a, you know, a tremendous uh, turnaround year with Chris Busher and then also with him running now in the top 15, top 16 right now. But here's the situation. One win next week or at Daytona, and they have a bad performance, they're gone. I mean, that's as simple as it's going to be. And a lot of people would not like to see that with Kevin Harvick, this being his year, his uh, farewell tour, and he's going to be retiring and so forth. 
Um, no, they wouldn't like to see that. I sure wouldn't like to see it because I'd like to see him at least make the playoffs and go out in a blaze of glory. But it's right now, it's anybody's ball game. I, and I'm using that term because this racing thing right now, this playoff thing is almost more exciting than you can have with Major League Baseball, with the National Football League. It's just the competitiveness of all of these teams right now that are staying so close within each other. That's where the the tale is told in the stats. William Byron uh, failed for his, his team failed three inspections. The uh, guy who's right now second in the, mm-hmm. in the points had to start from the back of the field. Uh, man, I mean, it, it, you know, failing one inspection, whatever else, three inspections. What? That's not a good weekend for the team. No, it's not. That's not a good sign. And uh, he still managed to finish with a 14th place finish at the Brickyard. But uh, when you have to start dead last and you're trying to come up through a field that is so populated with drivers like, you know, you had Ross Chastain in there, Keselowski, Bubba Wallace, Denny Hamlin in there, just to name a few. And then you had some people in there that uh, you probably have never heard of before. Mike Rockenfeller who drove the Garage 56 team with uh, Jimmy Johnson over when they were in, uh, uh, I guess, over in uh, France or over in England, over in Europe at that time when they uh, did that run. Uh, But you had also, you had Jensen Button in there at 28th. Uh, You had a lot of names in here. Uh, Kamui Kobayashi, he finished 33rd out of the whole thing, and he was, um, I think he was still running at the time that the race ended, so he was behind, though, but still Look at the list down through here. Eric Jones, he had some trouble. Kyle Busch, he ended up having some trouble, ended up finishing 36th. Eric Almarola finished dead last in 39th place. Now, you can't tell me that something along the line, we're going to hear some news here shortly about Eric Almarola, and we're going to find out what his future is going to be with Stuart Haas Racing or what he's going to be doing. Uh, I think he's going to retire. I think he's just going to go ahead and he's going to have the farewell tour because they know right now there's no sponsorship coming up from Smithfield or anybody else. So they're going to have to make do. And he's one of the cogs that steps out. And that's going to be where somebody else is going to step in for Stuart Haas Racing. You mentioned Mike Rockefeller. Uh, he's the two-time Le Mans winner, and he was in the mm-hmm. car this weekend for Noah Gragson yep. uh, for Legacy Motor Club. And Gragson, news, he he made some news late last week. He asked for his um, release from Legacy Motor Club so he right. can begin working towards reinstatement. Man, that's, uh, you know, for a guy we were talking about a few weeks ago who was looking for, you know, his, his, his next ride next year, mm-hmm. uh, he's back to square one. Yeah, he is. He's back to square one. And, you know, I kind of uh, gave a little bit of a, a prediction. I said that if he did not get a ride on the Cup Series, which he's talented, if he did not get a ride on the Cup Series, I see him going back to junior motorsports. If he can go and meet this sensitivity training or whatever it is that NASCAR is going to put in front of him, um, he's going to have to complete that. But, you know, I've already started hearing this this rumble. I saw a headline this afternoon on, of all places, Newsmax. And Newsmax has already started this thing of saying, we're going to start boycotting NASCAR or the fans are going to start boycotting NASCAR over this whole thing. Folks, I'm telling you, he he liked it. He liked this meme. It may have been in poor taste. I haven't seen it. I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about or what they're talking about with it. But you got to be careful what you click on. I'm sorry to have to say it that way. Noah Gregson has admitted 
yeah, I probably didn't go about it the right way. And so now he's looking forward to trying to get back into the sport again. If he goes through the sensitivity training and things that he's supposed to, I think he'll be okay. But where he's going to land, that remains to be seen. I just don't know where he's going to end up showing up. But, you know, you're kind of like a lame duck. You're sitting there for the rest of the season, and you you don't have a ride because NASCAR's kind of banned you from the ride. Uh, so what do you do? Well, you go through the the training or whatever it is, and then hope you come out on the other end saying, "Hey, look, somebody's going to give me a look see here and pick me up and put me in a in a driver's seat." And I hope that's what they do. Nor Gregson's had a lot of things that's happened, especially in his family's life. I think his dad was uh, responsible uh, back a couple of years ago. I think uh, an incident involved. He ran over somebody and killed them out in Las Vegas. He was drinking, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that family's gone through a lot. Gregson getting on top and getting to the Cup Series is a great story in itself. But this thing on just that meme and, and agreeing or liking that meme I think that was maybe to some degree too much, but NASCAR has just proven to everybody they're not going to tolerate it. They're not going to put up with it whatsoever, and they've got to put their foot down. And so there he is. That's He's a lame duck, and he has no other place to go. Just release me from my ride till I can start looking for next year. I'll get this sensitivity training done. I'll be out of here. You know, speaking of another guy who went through that a couple of years ago, Kyle Larson, he's mm-hmm. um he's made a great comeback and um, news with him this week. You know, uh, with with the series uh, in Indy for the Brickyard 200 race, uh, he's talking about next year. He wants to do the double. He wants to do the uh, Indy 500 Coca Cola 600 double next May. So uh, I don't know if we had anybody do that in the last few years, but um, uh, that'd be you know be interesting to watch again to see somebody try to to do that back to back. It's been a while since somebody did this, and I think um, I'm wanting to say Kurt Busch may have been the last person to do this, but uh, for him to step into this and give it a shot, hey, I'm more than willing to see him. They, I think they said when they uh, when they unveiled the cars, what they were going to look like, that what they'll be uh, running, the Coca-Cola 600, and also what he'll be running on the uh, Indianapolis 500. They have Hendrick Dars, or HendrickCars.com on there for sponsorship. So uh, that was big. They they brought out that car, that Indy car, uh, race car that he's going to be racing at Indianapolis that day. He's looking forward to it. And I think somebody was quoted as saying that, you know what, we might very well see him win. Who knows what could happen because he gets behind the uh, the the in the driver's seat and gets behind the steering wheel, and he just about dominates when he goes to a dirt track or anything. One what was it? $185,000, something of a big purse at uh, Knoxville the other night in the Knoxville uh, races they had there for uh, dirt open wheel there. Uh, they go around the sprint cars. Oh my gosh. I mean, it just seems like every time he steps into gets in that driver's seat, he's poised every time he's ready, had a little bit of a rough go of it this season so far off and on. But man, he's not missing a step when it comes to that. He's probably a a sure bet if he can get some training time in, he could be a threat at the Indianapolis 500. Um, I found a list here of uh, guys who've done it. John Andretti uh, did it. He was the first one right. to do it in 1994. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Robbie Gordon tried it four times. Uh, he completed it twice. Uh, two other times, rain delays. One one rain delay at Indy made him late mm-hmm. to Charlotte. The other. Uh, rain delay he left indy early to get to charlotte so 
Um, Tony Stewart actually did it and was probably the most successful. He was in the top 10 right. in both races I both time. Man, yeah. <laughs> um, and then Kurt Busch was sixth uh, in Indy and 40th uh, uh, in the Coca-Cola 600 2014. So he is the last guy. Mm-hmm. And I found a quote from Tony Stewart. He said uh, about how tough it is. He said, it's way more physically demanding than you think it's going to be. The first time you do it, you think, okay, it's just racing. Give me some lunch on a plane. I'll be all right. And then he says, when you do it, it's like, no, get me a doctor and some damn IV bags. And whatever. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think Kurt Busch had to go through that himself because he was so dehydrated after that race. Uh, I think they got him on the the jet. They hustled down to Charlotte. They had him plugged up with IVs for, you know, everything to where they could get him going. And he was still wore out by the time that, you know, he got through the uh, Coca-Cola 600 race. But uh, it's rough. It's just a rough thing. And I don't know why anybody wants to do it except for, I guess, that prestige of capturing uh, the moment where you want to kiss the bricks, sort of like what McDowell did yesterday. And and uh, Dale Jarrett kind of started that tradition in NASCAR of going and kissing the bricks. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's, yeah, if, I, if I'm going to win, if I win Daytona, then my next step is I want to win at Indianapolis. Those are the two centers of racing right there that everybody knows and everybody remembers. And then I'd like to win at Charlotte too, the 600. So coincidentally you have the indy 500 and the coke 600 on the same weekend memorial day weekend um why not try it and see what you can do that's i think what larson's going to see with he can possibly do the double double if you want to call it that and see how it works and uh see if he's if he's game for it if he can if he can hold out and win win either either or race yeah, it's it's physically demanding and it's mental. I think that's the mental part even more mm-hmm. to the than the physical, it would seem to me, because of the I mean, you're out there every turn, every every straightaway, and you're doing that for what, eleven hundred miles? I mm-hmm. mean, that's just you know, the, the, in the mix of the two, the mental and the physical, that's that's quite a quite a quite a challenging day. Well, uh, you know, look forward to that next May, um, as long as things work in that direction. So you mentioned, uh, Rod, uh, we're coming up here, what, two races to go this mm-hmm. weekend um, uh, up, what, Watkins Glen, is that right? Yep, Watkins Glen, the so, road course. So uh, we, we, the, uh, the road course. So mm-hmm. the, guy, the the, the, the um, series is coming off a well, road course, is the Indy road course. Mm-hmm. Um, does that make it easier for the transition? Because usually, you know, you, you do a road course after – you know, ovals or super speedways, you know, small track, big track, whatever. I mean, now you know, I know it's a different track, but it's mm-hmm. still it's still the same kind of racing. It, it, does, does it make it a little easier for the drivers uh, coming, coming, you know, off of another road course race? Yeah, for some, it may do it. But, you know, the turns and everything at Indy are completely different than what they are at Watkins Glen. So they're going to have to adapt to a whole new setup. I mean, you turn left, but I forget yesterday, I think during the coverage on NBC, um, uh, Steve Latart was mentioning about how many right turns you have to make at the Indy road course. And it's a little bit more than maybe some of the uh, left-hand turns or some of the ways that you have to get into the turns at Watkins Glen. It's a challenging racetrack. Uh, it's one of those where uh, you especially build up a lot of speed when you're kind of coming down and starting to reach the start finish line, you kind of build up some speed right there, but then you have to break it all down. Once you start going into that first turn, once you get into that first turn, it's like everybody has a chance to catch up with you. And, uh, I heard him say yesterday that there was a lot of aggressive driving early on at the beginning of this race. 
you can just bet there's going to be a lot more aggressive driving this coming weekend at Watkins Glen, and there will probably be even more aggressive driving by the time they get to Daytona because, you know, like we said earlier to start the podcast, we are looking at, uh, what, two, three potential spots right there that could go either way. They could either go in the hands of some people right now if they have some good races and win some uh, points at the end of the stage, they could be in it. And then again, by the time it's all uh, sh- uh, shaken out, uh, you could have some you could have some changes by the time we get to Daytona, and even bigger changes by the time they go on into Darlington, which will be on Labor Day weekend. That's that's the first uh, first race of the playoffs, and uh, once it's shaken up, we're going to see it. It's not going to be stirred either. It's going to be shaken up, is what it's going to be. I'm looking at the list of winners at Watkins Glen. Um, and so there's Kyle Larson's won the last two races there. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I look at the list of winners, uh, for, and it's for, for, with an eye towards guys who are on the outside looking into the playoffs, Chase Elliott has a couple of wins there, 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, AJ Allmendinger is within hailing distance right now too. And, and he's right. got a win there. Now it's back in 2014, but those are, those are guys who uh, need a win and they've they've had success at this track. Yeah, they have. And again, we mentioned the stat earlier that uh, Elliott has not won since the switch over to the next generation car on any of the road courses. Uh-huh. He needs a race this time around. He needs a good, solid race. You know, he was so disappointed after yesterday's uh, race there at uh, Indy. Uh, he just couldn't say enough. We just didn't do enough. We didn't have this together. We, we could have done a lot better than what we did. And, you know, he takes that himself personally is what he's doing. He's taking it. He's riding it on his shoulders and taking that responsibility out of it, but he still finished second, but it wasn't enough to get him across the the hump to get him over into the playoffs. He needed that win. So I think you're going to see a, uh, a squarely focused, more focused Chase Elliott this coming weekend. Kyle Larson going to be a threat. I definitely know that if he if he gets the the right opportunity, he'll go and he'll nudge somebody and push him out of the way. A lot of the drivers found that, found that out yesterday. Jensen Button found out as he was uh, pushed a little bit and then spun completely around. And you probably start wondering after a while. It's no IndyCar. This is no Formula One. This is where you can put a little bit of the bumper to somebody and spin them out and cause them to not have a chance to regroup and get back into this race. Um, That could happen really quickly on Sunday. Well, this is helpful as always for our listeners out there. Uh, You know, keep up with us. We'll have coverage over the uh, next few days leading up to the race and then on race day. Rod Mullins, as always, thank you for your time. Appreciate it, Chris. Thanks.